1966, the Chicago Bears drafted the son of a Pennsylvania coal miner in the fourth round. Doug Buffon would go on to play 15 seasons for the Bears and later be named one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. His allegiance to the Bears never waned, even when he took to the microphone and witnessed some horrendous Bears teams. The fact is, there's not the fear put into him because this game is a lot about fear. You either do the job or you go home and go sell hamburgers at McDonald's. Doug told it like it is, and that's part of the reason his nephew John has dedicated this show to Doug. And now John Buffon is spreading Buffon-branded beratements just like his uncle. Win the football game. You're the head coach. I don't care what you have your fingers in. I don't care what you're meddling in. You're the head freaking coach. We get it. You're the most important guy on the staff. You don't have to keep trying to legitimize that. And he's got pep talks too. I love this team. And I know everyone watching and listening loves this team. So while we may be pessimistic and cynical, every one of us still has hope that the stars will align at some point. And if that ever does happen, you'll be glad you stuck around. John is telling it like it is here on Buffon 55. And joining John are Alyssa Barbieri, managing editor of USA Today's NFL Wires, including Bears Wire. And also Danny Shimon, lead game and draft analyst for the Barroom Network. Buckle up and bear down. This is Buffon 55, The John Buffon Show. Hello and welcome to the season premiere of Buffon 55, lucky number seven. I cannot believe we have been on the air for seven seasons. Maybe it's because time stands still when you're a Bears fan. My name is John Buffon and I am so happy to be back. I am so excited to chop it up with the bar flies. We got some new features coming to Buffon 55 this year, which I'll get to in a minute. But first, I am thrilled to welcome back my co-host and producer. You may know her from her work on the NFL wire at usa today especially bears wire Alyssa barbieri Alyssa, we are back for another bear season how you doing i'm doing man you got me fired up already and just we're just gonna be open i am so ready i can't believe there's football next week it feels like all is right in the world now that we're back we're back it, here doing our thing and i'm just so excited you know, eventually we're going to have a winning team to talk about, but you know what? We have, we have, we have fun talking about the bears, no matter what their record is. We love chopping up with everybody in the chat room. And I'm so, so appreciative of people that are already in the chat room. There are people in the chat room before we even went live, which I can't tell you how much that means to me. I love seeing everybody already talking about football, talking about the bears, talking about the best time of the year. We are close to week one and we're going to preview the Chicago bears today. Uh, but we did talk about some new features on the show and now it's time to unveil the biggest addition to Buffone 55 you may know him from draft on tap he's the lead draft analyst here at the barroom network and he can help us go through the nuts and bolts of this bear squad let's welcome danny shimon to Buffone 55 as a full-time panelist danny welcome how you doing buddy I'm I'm doing great. I'm excited. I'm pumped, man. You know, let's talk about you getting her pumped. I'm already pumped. Uh, joining join this great team. Uh, you said you know you're seven for you guys. You're one for me, and just uh, honored. And and like I said, it's it's a great. Uh, you know, just really excited to get going and talk about hopefully hopefully a, a good team this year. 
you know what? Everyone's undefeated going into week one, especially the Bears. So we're going to talk about this squad in detail before they go into week one. We'll preview that whole Packers deal next week, but we're here to talk about the roster as it is right now. The news out of Hollis Hall today was the 2023 roster has been finalized, kind of, because there was some waiver action that we, we can go through. But nevertheless, most of the, the 2023 Bears roster is locked in, and we are here to go through it in detail today, which the expertise of Danny and Alyssa will come in handy. And I'm here to navigate the waters and meatball it up with everybody in the chat room. I can't wait. I'm so excited to be back in this position. But let's start with the most important position the quarterback and I believe that we have some graphics to go along with this there they are as if we didn't know QB1 will be Justin Fields but kind of a kind of a surprise coming out of the preseason number two a QB2 Tyson Bajan the secret agent is going to be the number two quarterback behind Justin Fields the young kid with a great story coming out of believe I believe Shepard uh in division two uh, let's let's talk about let's let's go ahead. I mean, we're going to talk about Justin Fields for basically the entire season. So let's talk about Tyson Bajant real quick. Danny, why do you think that the Bears ultimately decided to go with Bajant over PJ Walker, or even Nate Peterman? I, I think I think both you know Ryan Poles and and Matt have said that this guy has really come on and, and has, has taken the opportunity and is really impressed. And and the one thing about him, and yeah, he came out of. Out of Shepherd University, a Division II school. But the one thing with, with Tyson Bajan, and you saw a little bit of it at the senior bowl when we were down there in Mobile. And this is a guy that that the stage isn't too big for him. Now, I know he, you know, Division II school, but he started, I believe, over 50 career starts, started as a true freshman, you know, won the, you know, the the uh the division two Heisman, if you will, as, as a junior, put up, you know, pick time stats. It just it he just talks about, you know, a, a guy that that's just feels like he belongs. It doesn't does stage not too big for him. That's one thing I, I noticed about him. You know, uh, I actually I tweeted it last week when watching him, you know, play against up against the Bills. It's like it just feels like he's comfortable. He doesn't have that deer in the headlights look. You know, it, it's not the stage. Like I said, not too big for him. He, you know, he, he thinks that he's confident in himself. And it, it, the only thing that concerns me about you know, having a, a rookie come in is, is just obviously, God forbid, if Justin Fields goes down. Now you're talking about a cat who's got no experience. But the way he's picked up the offense, I, I think the Bears coaching staff feels confident that it, if if thrusted into a uh, into emergency role that he'll be able to come in and, and sufficiently move the offense. The one thing that they've, they've talked about is they've always wanted to have a, a player. Obviously he's not going to be the same type of athlete that Justin Fields is, but the offense doesn't necessarily have to entirely change. And that means that a guy can move, roll out, you know, be, have use his legs as a, as a weapon. And, and we saw some of that in the preseason with Tyson. I think that really kind of opened up the eyes of, of the coaching staff said, Hey, you know what? You know, yeah, he's not going to be the athlete that Justin is, but he's also a guy that we can, you know, roll out of the pocket, you know, get him on the move. And again, he's a guy that that's comfortable in terms of, you know, getting the ball down the field and going through a progression and all that stuff. So I think that's where Tyson came out and, and won the position, basically. Alyssa, you and I were kind of fanning over Bajan. We like we like what we saw in, in the preseason. Uh, I, I assume that you're happy uh, about this move hey, because it does give it gives them a guy that they can develop within their system, homegrown, so to speak. They bring him in and he they can bring him along, and this will be the only pro offense he's ever known. So it doesn't have to forget a lot of stuff whenever he whenever he's learning this offense. Uh, but to Danny's point, you do have a rookie there with very little experience. Uh, if something were to happen to Justin Fields, what do you think about uh, Bajan being a number? too yeah I think it was clear to anyone who 
you know, was at training camp practices or we're watching the preseason that, you know, Bajan was the best option at QB2 there. And, you know, it, it's, it was very surprising. I mean, I, I'd heard such great things about him, but to actually see it and to see how, you know, like Danny was talking about how comfortable, how poised he was operating the offense. I remember that second game, I believe, was the Colts game when Walker was struggling and Bajan came in and, it, the offense just looked completely different. He looked in firm control. He looked like a seasoned pro. He knew how to operate it. They were marching down the field. It was it was very impressive. And, I mean, to your point, you know, it is a little unnerving to have a rookie uh, back there, backing up Justin Fields, especially because Fields has yet to play a full season. So, I mean, at this point, you know, we have to kind of assume – Hopefully not, but I mean, we have to plan that, you know, he might not play an entire season. So at some point we could see Bajan. But I think that the fact that Bajan made the 53-man roster, that he made it over Walker, over Peterman, it just speaks to how the coaching staff believes in him. And, you know, Luke Getze got to work with him down in the Senior Bowl. And I think the confidence they have in him and the confidence he has in himself and just how he's operating this offense you know, I'm excited to see, hopefully not in the regular season. I want Justin Fields to play every single game, unless unless the Bears blow out the Packers uh-huh. in week one, and then we see Bajan come in there in the second half, you know, then I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> That's uh, Hopefully, this will be the last time we lead the show off with Tyson Bajan. We all like him, but if we were, if we, if we're in week four and five and we're leading off with Tyson Bajan talk, we're going to be in, we're, we're going to be in a little, a uh, little hot water. So we yeah, got, we got to give yeah we, had over. Give, yeah, we had to give QB2 uh, his his rightful due here to, to start off the show. But let's talk about QB1. We don't have to go into real in-depth stuff because we know what we expect of Justin Fields. We know what has to come from Justin Fields this year. But, Danny, what to you is a successful season for Justin Fields? Yeah, I mean, the narrative out there is that this is a make-or-break season for Justin Fields. For me, it's not. I mean, this is this is year two in the offense, and I think what I want to see, I want to see improvements. And, and the, the improvements I want to see, I, I just want to see Justin, in terms of his his you know his play clock in, in the pocket, be able to kind of maybe stay there a little bit longer. You know, it, it just seems like whenever he, he, he feels like he's going to be pressured or the offensive line having a bad game, his play clock speeds up. And I think he's, he's like one read, maybe two, and he's gone. And that's the one thing I want, I want him to kind of just settle down. You know, this is a, a, a lot of it is a rhythm-based offense. So, you know, pre-snap, determine what you're going to do with the football, read the defense, you know, line up your protection, you know, have a, have a plan in mind in terms of what's going to happen post-snap. And then and once this the ball is snapped, now go through your progression. What does the safeties do? Are they going to cover two shells? So on and so forth. Know where you're going with the football. By that time, that third his plant foot is, is hit his third step back. He's got to get rid of that football. No, no more holding on to the ball and all that stuff. So, you know, ten, last year, ten, when I watched his tape, it was like, it seemed like he was just holding on to the ball a little bit too long, waiting for a guy to get open. You know, I, now with, with weapons like Claypool and Moore and, and healthy Mooney, you know, the tight ends with, with Tanyan and, and Komet, you know, I expect him to kind of go through his progression and, bam, nowhere to go with the football as soon as the ball is snapped. There's going to be times where the offensive line breaks down, the blocking breaks down. And Justin's just gonna have to kind of you know just do what things Justin can do, right? Tuck the ball and make things happen with his feet, which is fine. But I just want to see that progression come up. You know, he's gonna miss open receivers, you know, he's not gonna see everything on the field. It's still gonna be a process of him getting better and better. But that timing, that rhythm, 
the play clock in, in, you know, in, in terms of in his head, in, in a pocket, know when to get rid of the football. And a, and a key thing is, is you'll know early on what, if Justin Fields has, has gotten better is if he takes the check down passes, if he takes the, the ball in the flat, the little curl route to the, to the, uh, to the tight end in the middle of the field, you know, and, and you know, it might be at second and 10, you know, take that two yard pass to the tight end and make it third and eight instead of, you know, holding on to the ball, trying to see if receiver gets open downfield, maybe taking a sack. Now it's third and 17 instead of, you know, a, a, you know, third and eight or something like that. So that's where I want to see little, those little minor progressions. And eventually once he masters the offense completely, then you're going to see him just kind of take off from there. How about you, Alyssa? What, what's a successful season for Justin Fields for you? Yeah, I mean, pretty much what, what Danny said. I mean, we know how dangerous of an athlete that Justin Fields is, and I think he's the best rushing quarterback in the NFL. Sorry, Lamar. Um, so we already know that part of his game, which he had to discover last season, but now we need to see him improve as a passer. It, it's really as simple as that. And when you look at what the Bears did this offseason – they are setting him up for success in the passing game. Everything that they did, we are finally seeing a regime build around the quarterback, right? He went out and got him a number one receiver in DJ Moore. Shored up the offensive line, although the injuries, I mean, that just comes with the territory of being a Bears fan, I guess. Uh, you know, the injuries are going to happen. So, But everything that, that Ryan Poles did this offseason is setting Fields up for success because he has to determine is Fields going to be the guy. I mean, I don't think that... Like Danny said, this is a make or break year, but we do need to see some sort of progress. It can't be a repeat of last season. And I know that Ryan Pulse has asked during his press conference today, you know, what are you looking for from Fields? And he said he wants to see more wins. And while I don't think wins are a quarterback stat, if Fields does take that next step in his development, naturally the Bears should be winning more football games. So I think that's something, you know, that we should be looking to see. They should be winning a lot more than three games this season if Fields takes that step. So, I mean, I really want to see him just take that step forward as a passer. We saw that at Ohio State. I did as a Michigan fan. Trust me, I watched him obliterate my team. So I know that he's capable of that. So, I mean, it's as simple as that. You want to see that progress in the passing game. And you want to see him kind of, once he gets that in the NFL, you could blend those two elements of his game, the running, and the throwing, and you're going to have a true dual, dual threat quarterback. All right. We talked about the quarterbacks. Let's move our way down to the roster. Let's go down to the halfbacks and the fullbacks. We have the running back, Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, uh, Rashawn Johnson, Travis Homer, and Kerry Blazing game. Alyssa, I want to start with you. Compared to last year, because you have David Montgomery here last year, he's no longer on the roster, but they, they draft Johnson. How do you think this running back room compares to last year and is there is there a possibility it could be better yeah I think I think it is better and I hesitate to say that because I mean David Montgomery was a really solid back but when you look at this group you know top to bottom compared to last year I think they have a lot more depth at running back and you know Khalil Herbert's that lead back right now and the Bears are saying you know he hasn't done anything to lose the job but I also don't think you know that 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 he could be the, you know, the lead back going into the end of the season, you know, hopefully uh, Roshan Johnson, you know, hopefully he works his way up there, but I think they have a three headed monster at running back there. Uh, Deontay Foreman is someone that's gone very, you know, under the radar, you know, there's been a lot of love for Roshan, a lot of love for Khalil. So, and then Travis Homer too, who's a solid special teams guy. And also he's good at catching passes at the backfield. I mean, there, I think this is a very deep running back group. And when you couple that with Justin Fields and his rushing ability, hopefully he's not rushing as often as he did last season. But when you throw him into the mix, I really don't see why there shouldn't be another top rushing offense in 2023. Danny, what do you think about this group? And do you believe that Khalil Herbert will or will not be the lead back for all 17 games this year? 
No, John, I, I like this group. Just like with, like Alyssa said, you know, I like the group. I like the mix of it. I, I think Khalil Herbert, I'm a huge Khalil Herbert fan. I was a huge fan of his coming out of Virginia Tech. Uh, I think the Bears got a steal in the sixth round. I think he's going to go ahead and prove this year that he is going to be that steal that I was talking about coming out of the draft. But the one thing, I think this system suits him, this style suits him better than, than David Montgomery, meaning because I think Herbert's vision and his patience are, are a, a, you know, a step above uh, a Montgomery. Montgomery more, more of that power downhill back. Montgomery was always better when, when he had, you know, a fullback and he was in I formation, had a lead blocker. Uh, Montgomery was also a guy that, that could you know, jump in and out of holes. With this this system that we're you know with, that they're running here now is you have to be at that patient the patience and the vision to be able to feel and see the cutback lane develop plant and cut up field and then we've seen last year you know the, the couple of big runs where Khalil Herbert had you know be a 50 yard run and a 40 yard run it was it was where he kind of let the offensive line just kind of do their thing find the crease see that back that that cutback lane uh, using that vision that patience and then just plant and go. He's got that burst. He's got that speed where he saw it in that preseason game where he took a small, you know, shovel pass from, from Justin Fields and took it all the way to the house. So he brings that element, that that home run potential, uh, even though he's not a blazer by, by all means, but he's got that, you know, long speed, long play potential that Montgomery just didn't have, unfortunately. So I was a big David Montgomery fan as well. Uh, but, but I think this system actually fits Khalil Herbert to a T. And then, then you bring in a foreman who's who kind of like a Montgomery, who's a downhill thumper, a guy you line up and put a fullback in front of him, line up in the eye formation. Now you can bring some, a guy to come in and get those one or two yards that, that you need. And Rashawn Johnson is, is a guy the Bears love. I, I like come out of, out of Texas. When I was watching, uh, you know, Bijan Robinson, I was also watching Rashawn Johnson as well. And the one thing about Johnson is, is he's developed in terms of the passing game. He's a pretty good you know, catcher out of the backfield. He's a very good, uh, you know, pass defense. And, and I think that's a guy, another way that, that can be able to be pound some, some, you know, some tough yards in between the tackles, but also gives you an ability to kind of break free from those tackles and, and you know, pull off a, t- a 12 or 15 yard run. But the one thing with, with Herbert, I got a question is, is, is the question that there's always been about him is, is his pass protection. That's something that we haven't seen yet in the, in the preseason. You know, has he improved? That's something that that's going to be an onus I, I put on Khalil Herbert. If you want to maintain and keep this, you know, this uh, starting position, you're going to have to be able to, you know, step up your game in terms of a pass protection. If he does that, and I think Khalil Herbert will be the, you know, the far away the, the lead back on this offense. And a pretty deep group of running backs. I think most Bears fans are happy with the depth they have there. If one goes down, one can be serviceable to step in. It's the, from one to three, although, you know, Travis Homer, like Alyssa said, a solid special teamer. And, you know, Blazing Game is a good fullback. So I think that they, they have a really solid uh, running back room going into 2023. Potentially could be more productive than the one last year. Let's go to the let's go to the wide receivers now because this is a very interesting group and vastly different than it was going into the start of last year with DJ Moore as the number one, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, Bayless Jones, Tyler Scott, Equinemius St. Brown, and the at St. Brown and the newly acquired Trent Taylor off of waivers coming over from Cincinnati, who we assume will uh, be the punt returner going into 2023. Uh, we don't have to spend you know five minutes on each guy, but Danny, I will start with you. Tell me, can you talk to me about the depth of this and what each one of these guys can bring to the table? Yeah, this is the the group that that you know we think have have 
has been vastly improved by Ryan Poles and company. I think, you know, bringing obviously DJ Moore uh, and it now allows everyone else to kind of slot down, you know, Chase Claypool, less pressure on him. Now he could just be a, you know, a big you know guy on the outside, uses athletic ability his you know, his big catch radius to get downfield and make, you know, jump ball plays, for example, you know, uh, Darnell Mooney goes from being a number one receiver to potentially number three receiver. I think that slots him in a more, you know, uh, advantageous role for him as well. You can use him out of the slot. You can use him on, on bubble screens, slip screens, so on and so forth. You know, utilize his, his running ability downfield. So I think, I think that kind of, you know, even though I, I had questions about DJ Moore being a number one overall receiver, we'll see how that play plays out throughout the season. But I think just the talent he brings, and we've seen it already in the preseason. You know, you give him a 10-yard, you know, a, a, not even a, 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 a you know, a right receiver slip screen, and he goes all the way. You, you Last week, you, you know, a 15, 20-yard hitch route, turns it back off field, breaks tackles, and he's, he's gone for 40 yards. So he brings that big play potential. Now you add that with Mooney, with Claypool. Tyler Scott, the rookie from Cincinnati, you know, he's, he might not, you know, come up there with, with, you know, 60, 70 receptions, but he's going to bring an element that the Bears don't have. And that's going to be a speed element. A guy that's got legit 4-3, 4 speed, probably running out of the slot. So now that takes less pressure off of Bayless Jones. You can kind of let him develop into, into a role here on offense as well. So, you know, I, I think everyone just kind of fits in there nicely to, to a T now compared to what you had last year. Last year, we're, we're talking about Byron Pringle being our number one receiver. Mm. I think Byron Pringle's even on NFL roster right now. That, that's how that's how bad it was last year. So, I mean, that, that's just the, the added talent in that room what's going to give you that, that big play potential and also help the, the development of Justin Fields as well. Yeah, the, the conversations we're having about the wide receivers this year is vastly different than what we were doing in August uh, in 2022. Uh, Alyssa, how much better do you feel about this wide receiving core this year than you did last year? Oh, my God, so much better. <laughs> I mean, just here, I forgot about Byron Pringle somehow. That just And now it's now I'm back there at the beginning of the year. Okay, no, no more. This is 2023. We have right. an actual wide receiving core. Uh, super excited, too. You know, like Danny was saying, this is important for the development of Justin Fields, right? This is an important season for him. And, you know, he actually has some top receivers around him. And, you know, it's very, it's very interesting that the Bears are carrying seven receivers. So, I'm curious to see if that's something that's going to, you know, be the case for, you know, how long is that going to be the case? Is it Bayless has, you know, so much time to prove himself? Could he be on the chopping block? I mean, I'm interested to see how that how that pans out. But I mean, they do have the abundance of talent, I think, at receiver is it's impressive. I mean, DJ Moore, I'm. Uh, the fact that his first touch was a touchdown is just crazy to me. Uh, I have him on my fantasy team. I had to, mm. I had to do it and hopefully I don't jinx him. So sorry, DJ. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to see like, you know, this, you know, the depth of talent that, you know, Justin Fields is going to have in the passing game and what these guys can do, especially like Darnell Mooney coming back from injury. You know, he was, you know, the number one receiver last year and, you know, it, it's something that I think he's a really good number two receiver. So I think he's really I think him and Claypool are going to benefit from having DJ Moore out there. And I'm really excited to see what Tyler Scott can do as well. Just make sure you're catching that ball, kid. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Speaking speaking of catching footballs, let's 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 go over to the tight ends now, because this is a really interesting group. If you ask me, you got Cole, Cole Komet, you have Robert Tanya, and then the ageless Mercedes Lewis comes in as the number three tight end. Uh, Alyssa, I'm going to. I'm going to kick it over to you. 
this is this, I think this is a really good tight end room because Cole Komet obviously he gets paid and you're hoping that he takes his next step in his progression Robert Tunyon has already shown that he can come down with big time balls he can be a big red zone threat and then Mercedes Lewis is basically like having another offensive lineman sometimes in there he, he's been around the game for he's been in the NFL for gosh darn uh two, two decades here uh so uh, what do you think about these tight ends yeah, I think this is the best tight end room that the Bears have had in a long time. And I mean, just top to bottom, Komet, Tunyon, and and Lewis, who, you know, first off, congratulations, Cole, getting that getting that extension. Well deserved. Um, but I think just like what Luke Getze, I feel like he's looking at like what he has, especially in Komet and Tunyon, and just kind of being like, okay. I'm excited. Now Now I can really start getting things going. And I think for Justin Fields, too, you know, we saw how Komet was his safety blanket last season. And now he has someone in Robert Tunyon who is just money uh, in the red zone. So I'm excited to see how they uh, factor into the passing game because, you know, there are a lot of pass catchers and, and only one ball to go around. So it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, how some of these guys are utilized and excited to see some two, two tight end sets with Komet and Tanya. It's going to be exciting. And Mercedes Lewis, I mean, blocking, especially when, you know, this is a run first uh, kind of offense, at least for right now, the Bears are always going to run the ball. So having Lewis in there and Komet is a solid blocker as well. So, I mean, I'm really excited for this tight end group. I think this is one of the most improved uh, positions this off season. And I think it's going to be really beneficial to the offense in the long run. I, I'm going to kick it to you real quick, Danny, but I, I got to go with the, the, this, I got to, just mentioned this comment in the chat wasn't Mercedes Lewis in Tecmo Bowl, which for my 80s and 90s <laughs> friends, that it's a, that's a good pull. I like that. That, that, was, that was that was really good because I love Tecmo Bowl, and I think Mercedes Lewis was in that game. But uh, Danny, what do you think about uh, the the tight ends and what, top to bottom how the the depth plays yeah. out here? I I, I I agree with you, John. I think this is probably the, the best tight end room the Bears have had in quite a while. I think the the Green Bay imports with with Tunyon and and Mercedes Mercedes Lewis both have bring different kind of features, both bring different kind of strengths to this, to this offense. I think Tunyon allows, uh, you know, the, the Bears not to have a, a, a true flex tight end, a guy that can line up and slot and be another big receiver, if you will, down the football field. You know, we forget that two years ago, he had 11 touchdowns, you know, in Green Bay's offense. So, you know, the Bears are running a very similar system here, obviously, to, to Green Bay. So I think that's going to be a nice plus there to kind of, you know, offset or, or, or actually, you know, complement Cole Komet, who's more of that inline wide blocking tight end. Of course, we'd like to see Colmet, you know, just kind of improve of last year uh, where he left the team with seven touchdowns, kind of, you know, take those numbers and get even better this year. And, and you talk about it, ages wonder, Mercedes Lewis. I mean, this is a guy that that is a hell of a, still of a hell of a blocking tight end. I, a, a team that's going to be heavy run. Uh, it's going to rely on the run to kind of set up that play action. I think Mercedes Lewis is, is going to be invaluable in terms of the blocker and also in terms of that leadership that he brings to the locker room as well. So that's one thing that you're kind of overlooking. You know, the Bears have, I believe, is the fifth or, or sixth youngest team in football. And, you know, a vet like Mercedes Lewis in that, in that, in that, on that team helps kind of, you know, and, you know, bring some wisdom, if you will, to that locker room. So I think I think I am really excited. I think Tanya was a very, very underrated pickup by Ryan Poles this, this offseason, you know, something that really kind of went under the radar. But I think he's going to – he's poised to have a nice, nice season as well. I'm just so happy that we're back doing this show because I'm I'm just watching the chat and there are some the, you know the barflies are on the top of their game they don't need a preseason they got jokes on jokes on jokes and I, I'm I'm loving this and unfortunately Mercedes Lewis is getting the brunt of it but Bayless Jones is getting thrown in there as well but uh, let's let's end this segment with the offensive lineman let's go to let's let's run down there Braxton Jones Co- Cody Whitehair Nate Davis Lucas Patrick Darnell Wright and then Tevin Jenkins Dan Feeney uh, Carter Borm and Kramer round out the room. Uh, Danny, I want to start with you because 
do you believe that they are done adding to this room or they could go out and pick up somebody that get maybe gets cut or on waivers uh or do you do you think this is what they're going to go with I, I think that this is what they're going to go with obviously we, we heard today that tevin jenkins is going to go on ir he's going to be out for the first four weeks so who starts a left guard? Was it going to be Whitehair? Are they going to put Lucas Patrick at center? Uh, is, is a new guy, Dan Feeney, up to par, which he can come in and play guard, left guard, because I mean, he's got that versatility where he can play center and guards. Uh, I, I think they're going to start going to keep Whitehair at left guard, and they're going to, they're going to put Lucas Patrick at center if he's healthy. Uh, I think that they're going to roll with that, you know, in terms of you know starting off the season and see what happens when Tevin Jenkins comes back. But obviously, for me, my my, my key thing is here is is obviously the improvement of, of Braxton Jones. I mean, he, he gets he gets beaten up a lot for last year, you know, as his rookie campaign. Uh, but I, I think you're going to see a, a better Braxton Jones this year. And obviously Darnell Wright at right tackle. If he can go ahead and solidify that side, uh, and you have two bookend tackles right there, Nate Davis, if he's healthy, uh, him and him and Darnell Wright are going to be a nasty combination on that right side. You're going to see a lot of the Bears running backs going to the right side, especially on short, short yard situations, because both those guys are just nasty in terms of you know being able to move people off their spots and, and you know getting movement at the, at the line of scrimmage. So I think that's going to be key there as well. So as long as Lucas Patrick or if it's Doug Kramer at center can can maintain the protections and, and get everything set up and squared away, I think Whitehair is going to be just a solid veteran at left guard uh, until Tevin Jenkins comes back. And again. You know, Braxton Jones, I, I expect this kid to take the next step. And I think the Bears are, are, are solidified both tackle spots with these last two draft draft classes. And then if Nate, jo- Nate Davis in there, and again, Tevin Jenkins comes back, and now you're going to solidify, a, make it a bigger, more nastier offensive line. I think this is where we're going to see this line get better as the season goes on and everyone else gets healthy. Alyssa, we, we talk about, you know, the weapons being so important for Justin Fields' progression, but just as important as the offensive line. Do you believe this squad can keep him upright enough that he can take that next step in his progression? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question, right? And I think that, you know, we, we saw Ryan Poles go out and really, you know, assemble the offensive line that he believes is going to, to, to keep Fields upright. I mean, right now, obviously, Tevin Jenkins uh, is on IR, so he's going to miss the first month at least. Um, but when you kind of look at, you know, the shifting that was made along the offensive line, you know, Braxton Jones and the decision to stick with him at left tackle because, we you know, Poles and Co. were encouraged by what they saw going out and getting Darnell Wright with the, with the number 10 pick. I mean, hopefully you I don't want to see Justin Fields getting sacked 56 times in 15 games again uh so I think that you know Ryan Poles really did his his work in going and finding these guys that are solid in pass protection right as well that uh, as well as that they can run block so I mean we talk about the receivers like you mentioned and it's important to have that number one wide receiver but it's also important to make sure that your quarterback has time to throw especially with fields where you know so you know we got to he needs to speed his clock up a little bit so he's someone where we saw last season where he would just tuck it and go immediately as as the pocket collapsed so i mean the, hopefully this is the line that's going to keep him upright. Uh, I'm going to have to wait until I see it. Uh, but I definitely think you can't argue that that they didn't get better this offseason, especially starting with getting Sam Mustafer out of there at center. So it's going to be interesting because immediately from week one, already the original starting five is not going to be the starting five. We didn't even make it to week one. I mean, already the bears had how many different starting offensive line combinations last season. They weren't able to get that chemistry down. And unfortunately it already started in the summer, but you know, hopefully they can make it work. 
We're all hoping. We're hoping that, it, that it's a, it's a stable front for Justin Fields and they're able to take the next step. But speaking of the next step, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get to the defense and the, and the special teams and the practice squad and all that stuff later on in the show. But we're going to take a break when we come back. The first B-55 of the season. Stick around. You're watching Buffon 55 right here on the Barroom Network. Instead of him always... Instead of him always looking to bail and make a play, you see him consistently climbing the pocket. He Even if he did. takes a sack, but he climbs that pocket. And his accuracy, compared to what we've seen Fields do, Bajan has him beat too. So, KB, you saying that he should start over Fields? No, no. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm just saying what I've seen. This is this is why I'm saying Bajan is my number two. Okay. Yeah. Yes, you do want the experience of a game, uh, in-game quarterback like like a Walker, but it's just it's just things that pop out about Bajan that I I'm me personally there is no cutting him. He's number two. To to have the pocket presence that he has, the awareness, like Jordan says, the way he navigates the pocket. It, it's so textbook it's crazy mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. definition of quarterback climb a pocket is major and it's like the same thing we said about last week you just want a young player in here that you can move he's here Welcome back to Buffone 55. Now it's time for our classic B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's tribute to the great Doug Buffone, his uncle who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. So, John, are you feeling a little rusty because it's been a while? It has been, and I'm going to blow right through the, that that whistle. I can feel it. But uh, we're going to see. It's the preseason for us, so I got I got a week to kind of work through this before we really hit the big time next week when we preview the Packers game. Just tra- just channel your inner secret Bajan man, and, and you'll be good. <laughs> secret Bajan <laughs> not, man. Here we go. P.J. Walker, Tyson Bajan. Feeling loose. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, John. So last year we heard you say – week after week in the show open, that the Bears were not going to be the worst team in the NFL. Well, they finished with the worst record at 3-13. and So what are you going to say about the 2023 Bears? And careful, this might make it in a new open that you'll have to relive week after week. 55 seconds around the clock. Uh, well, I can tell you that I'm done making guarantees. Uh, I was I, I made one bold prediction last year, and it crashed and burned so bad that I was humiliated by Lewis Riddick on a national stage. So I think I might be done with bold predictions. But I will say this. Just having a better record than last year isn't going to be enough. They need to show that the franchise has built some sustainable infrastructure, that we're not going to wait three years, get a flash-in-the-pan playoff season, then start all over again. This is a big prove-it year for a lot of people. It's a prove-it year for... Uh, Ryan Poles. It's our prove it year for Justin Fields. It's a prove it year for the coaching staff. And when I say prove it year, I don't mean that everyone's going to get fired if they don't win the division or make the playoffs, but they need to show real tangible growth. Their rebuild year went about as well as it could go. They got some big contracts off the book, got some draft capital in the process, found an uh, undrafted gem in Jack Sanborn. And oh, they also got the number one overall pick, traded it and stocked up for their draft chest for the foreseeable future. So 2023 cannot be a stagnant 5-12 and 12 year. <laughs> 
Hey, look, you didn't beat the Close. list by too much. Close. Hey, that, that's pretty good. That's pretty okay. good for your first series. <laughs> um, but but like you said, and I'm like, you know, cautious to also say this because I could this could make it in an open, who knows? But no, no, like you said, I think with the 2023 Bears, I mean, I don't have super high expectations, but I also have expectations that they're going to make progress. And I look at the Lions from last year as, as, you know, kind of like that, that model for them to follow where, you know, they're a team where they're not there quite yet, but they have some of the pieces in place. And I think they have the right head coach in place as well to help take them there. And, you know, the bears have a you know, quarterback called, you know, named Justin Fields too, which if he takes that step forward, I mean, there's no telling what this team can do, but I do expect them to be in the conversation or in the hunt, in as the hunt. they say with that graphic. That. In the hunt for it. the playoffs. In the hunt, maybe not making it this season. I mean, prove me wrong, go for it. Um, as long as we get the number one pick from the Panthers. I'll take that. That's fine. The, is it, it, they, We can have everybody else's good pick. I just don't want the Bears to have to be drafting in there over and over again because that means they're not playing very well. No. Cannot do that. So now, John, to the topic that, you know, we're going to be discussing all season, every week, all day. Is Justin Fields a franchise quarterback? And if so, will he will we be convinced of that by the end of this season? And if he looks like a good quarterback, but not an elite passer, do the Bears plan for his replacement in 2024? Good luck keeping it to 55 seconds. Listen, yes, I believe he is. And I think you'll see some things this year that will convince a lot of people of that. He has the weapons now. This time last year, we were clinging to the possibility that maybe Bayless Jones or Equinemius St. Brown could blow up and be a legitimate number two to Darnell Mooney. They're, those might be your five and six guys this year. And then now you see DJ Moore to Mooney to Chase Claypool to Tyler Scott, the fourth round rookie, throw in Robert Tunyon and hopefully an improved offensive line. The table is set for Justin Fields to have a much improved season. I do think we need to reevaluate what a successful season looks like in 2023. However, we usually look at the yardage and think, oh, 4,000 yards. That's a really good season. Matt Stafford did it nine times. Kirk Cousin has done it seven times. Rodgers did it 10 times. Hell, even Jared Goff did it three times. But in an age where a lot of quarterbacks are dual threats, wouldn't 3,000 yards with 2024 touchdowns uh, and maybe 800 to 900 rushing yards with seven to eight rushing touchdowns be a pretty damn good season too and again look at you i mean you are on fire you are tyson Bajan <laughs> out there um yeah speaking of, of fields that other quarterback uh no that's a really good point that you made about like how we are measuring fields's success compared to other quarterbacks because he's not like other quarterbacks in, in the nfl where you have to take into a fact that you know why we while we don't want to see him running as much as last season that's still an important part of his game so it will be included there will be those moments when fields is in trouble and he gets out of there and turns it into a 60 yard touchdown or some big play so as you said you know we want to see those improvements in the passing game so I think 3,000 yards that's you know that that's a good number to set it at as well as you know seven eight hundred yards rushing having him you know ho hopefully he's not just running for his life all season there's be a lot more design quarterback runs and you know the occasional 60 yard touchdown I can't believe I just said that like casually because hey, hey it's yeah. Justin Fields it happens um but yeah that, that's really interesting because we do have to kind of look at feels a success and how we're measuring it compared to the rest of the league. And we really can't do that. Well, there, listen, and I'm not saying that Justin Fields is Michael Vick, but I, but when you look at Michael Vick's 
stat line throughout his entire career. He never threw for more than 3,300 yards in a season, but the people say that Michael Vick had some of the most electrifying seasons in NFL history because when he threw for, you know, 2,400 yards in 2006, he also rushed for 1,000 yards. And so he also had nine rushing touchdowns in 2010 when he only threw for 3,000 yards. So the combined success, I think, has to be taken into account there. I, now, is he going to be a rushing quarterback for a thousand yards in you know ten, fifteen years? No, but but you have to look at it in the now and say, is it a successful season if he throws for three thousand yards, rushes for nine hundred, has six, seven, eight rushing touchdowns, and is uh, is you know responsible for 30 to 33 touchdowns and yeah that's a successful season in my eyes just because he's not throwing for 4,000 yards with 42 touchdowns seven interceptions I mean the game's changing very much so so it's it's I think that we have to be able to evolve our evaluation on what success is as well yeah and listening to Ryan Poles talk today and I mentioned it earlier about like what he's looking for is he wants to see more wins and I think that we saw last season how fields I think it was that three game stretch where the Bears offense led the league and scoring 30 mm-hmm. points a game and now he was single-handedly keeping them in games now Poles went out and he solidified the defense you know addressed some of the weaknesses so now the defense shouldn't be in that same position so that should if fields kind of does some of you know a lot of what he did last season but hopefully takes that step as a passer that should equate to more wins. One would hope. <laughs> but again, it's the bears. So I'm not getting my hopes too high. Don't assume, anything. Do. Don't assume anything. Never. Okay. So John, and I think uh, all going to pull it up. I want you to take a look at the 2023 schedule and I hope it has spaceships on it. That was our calling because- card last year. Oh my God! Do we have spaceships? Well, there's movements on thing. What is what is Wait. this? I, this is the first time I'm seeing this, and I'm sure there's it's just, Christmas lights. I'm, like, I'm sure this is just really captivating for the people just listening to the podcast. But there's a but this is I love the the new graphics. I think there's champagne in week 17. Is that New Year's and then Chris uh, Christmas lights? Oh, week I thought 16. they were just like lighting the helmet on fire. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, they're sparklers. <laughs> Who knows? That makes sense. Missing the, the, missing the spaceships, year. but okay. Sorry, we got sidetracked by the yeah. schedule. So yeah. Okay. So let's go again. So I want you to look at this glorious schedule that Aldo created. <laughs> and I want you to pick a game or two that you are most looking forward to and why. And good luck keeping this to 55 seconds when you're looking at this beautiful masterpiece. Uh, you know what, Alyssa? I don't have to look very far. It's week one hosting Green Bay. You can say that you shouldn't judge too many things off the first game, but Bears fans are, Packers fans are, and so are the national pundits. Alyssa, the Bears are favored in this game. Aaron Rodgers isn't on the other side of the field. The Packers have a first-year starter at quarterback. It's in Chicago. This is the first page of a new chapter in this historic rivalry, and I want to be on the winning side of it. One game does not make a season, but a week one victory over the Packers can set the tone for the rest of this season, especially since you don't see them again until week 18 at Lambeau Field. And then another one I'm excited for is week three when they travel to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. I like seeing these games on the schedule because then you can see how far away your team really is from being an elite team in the NFL. If they're able to scrap it out with the Chiefs and make it a close game, then you know they're building something great. If they get shellacked from start to finish, then you know there's still a ton of work that needs to be done. Yeah, I want to, Aldo, pull up that schedule again. Let's take a look at this. I, I, I'm a visual learner. Thank you very much. Um, no, like, like you said, John, I mean, week one, who has not had week one circled on their calendar as a Bears? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, this is the first, I mean, I can't remember the last time the 
that the Bears would play the Packers when they didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback on their team. <laughs> it's been about 30 years, so not in our lifetime, really. Never. So th- this is the start of a new era. I'm like, oh, wow, this is like even more like, important than I thought. Yeah. But um, yeah, week one, I mean, that's exciting. There's a reason that Fox put that on, you know, that prime late mm-hmm. Right. And everyone's going to be watching that. So, I mean, excited to see that that, that first game and also week 18, because, hey, uh, I don't want to get cocky, uh, but hey, it would be nice to sweep the Packers. I mean, I'm just saying. Oh. Unless unless week 18 doesn't mean anything because the Bears have already sewn up the division and they're, you know, secret Bajant man is the QB one for that game. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but I like the way you think. Yeah, let's, I'm, I'm not I'm not exactly saying that's what's going to happen. <laughs> but hey, it's, it's... Let's live in the optimism. We don't get to do this often. This is the I know. week when we are undefeated still and we can just kind of just you're right the optimism get a little, get a little overly optimistic but yeah but yeah look at like the, the Packers games and like you said they have a, a, a few prime time games but I think I mean week 10 against the Panthers I mean I want the Panthers to be so bad when that game comes mm-hmm. along I want DJ Moore to get hit his revenge game I want the Bears to just wipe the floor with them I want to help make that pick the right. number one pick the Panthers one so I mean that that's probably the, the I can't believe I'm excited for a Thursday night game they but, two of them. hey they have, yeah they, they play on my birthday on washington so thank you for that because last I'm, year i'm, I'm going to that i'm going to that game because washington's only about an hour and a half from where i live Ooh. so i'll be going down there on That'd thursday night uh and it, you remember how bad their thursday night game against oh the God. commanders was last year so it's like hey let's run that back uh because <laughs> that was that was awesome tv to watch i'm sure amazon's thrilled to say oh that would yeah let's run that one back uh but uh but they they have some real opportunities here because after if they it's not like they're playing juggernauts on thursday night they play the commanders and they play uh the the panthers and if they're able to come out of those thursday night games with wins then they kind of get that mini buy and they get a mini buy going into division games after week five after the thursday game they don't play for 10 days and then they play the vikings and then you look at week 10 they play on the uh they 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 have a nice little layoff between week 10 with the panthers and then week 11 with the uh with the lions so if they can come out of those thursday night games with wins they get some a little they get some extra rest going into big time divisional games Absolutely. And then you look at that, the last stretch of the schedule too, you know, with the Christmas lights and the sparklers, I like that. Uh, you know, those, those are very winnable, winnable games for the bears and, right. you know, you know, try to keep it real, but also, you know, being a little optimistic at this point, who knows what's going to happen. Didn't think what happened in 2018 was ever going to happen. I think, I think there is a much better coach team. We'll, we'll see what happens because the schedule's favorable. Not saying that, you know, they could, they could pull a lions and really surprise us, I think. So at the very least, you know, hopefully they're playing meaningful football come November. That's all yep. you can ask as a Bears fan. Hey, if they're in the hunt and they can, they got to play Arizona and Atlanta and who knows what Green Bay is going to be in the last three weeks of the season, they're going to have the, one of the more favorable schedules going down the stretch if they're trying to get in. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But uh, I like that back end of the schedule. Absolutely. Okay, John, so we're going to shift gears. Um, so we're going to talk about stadium talk. So the plans for the Bears moving out of Soldier Field and leaving the city of Chicago are in limbo, given that the team is looking for a favorable tax setup from Arlington Heights, where they purchased property to build a new stadium. You know, you're pretty familiar with the team sister, I'd say just a little bit, and and legacy in Chicago. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the Bears potentially leaving the city and heading to the suburbs? 55 seconds. 
Look, I, I love NFL history. I love the NFL films footage of steam spewing from the helmets of the players at Soldier Field and Lambeau Field, even Metropolitan Field out in Minnesota. I love the pageantry of the warriors of the gridiron colliding within the wild elements that would make normal humans curl into a ball. But I have the curse of being a pragmatic millennial. And yes, that's a real thing. It's not an oxymoron, I promise you. There are reasons the Rams play in Inglewood. There are reasons the Cowboys play in Arlington and the Jets and the Giants play in New Jersey. The NFL is a multi-billion dollar industry and stadiums must provide a first-class fan experience because watching the games on TV is hundreds of dollars cheaper and the viewing experience on television has gotten incredible over the past 15 years. Not to mention a fully enclosed entertainment destination can host concerts, conventions, Final Fours, Super Bowls, and it keeps the revenue streams open all year round for that particular stadium. So I get it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, the history, I mean, that's the one thing that we're clinging to with the Bears staying in Chicago, pretty much, right? And I mean, there, there, there's no doubting that. And But like you said, it's kind of time for the Bears to get into the 21st century here and, you know, create that state-of-the-art stadium which you know that's why kevin warren was brought here right so mm. it's happening it's just a matter of you know when you know there's you know a lot a lot of behind the scenes you know stuff going on but you know kevin warren's doing his job but you know like you said i mean i'm excited to see like what a bear stadium would look like a new state-of-the-art i know it's going to be domed but i mean bear weather I mean, yeah, that that one Rams game in 2018, but I mean, bear weather. Where, where has it helped? I'm not exactly like. Where has okay it won us the Super Bowl? Still waiting. Yeah, we're on the clock here too. So <laughs> yeah, so but listen, I, Soldier Field is an amazing experience, and I hope everyone that wants yeah. to see a game there can see a game there. But it is a bit of a logistical nightmare. You have to take shuttles in and out. There isn't an entertainment district around the stadium to drive ticket holders to congregate around the stadium. You look at some of these other cities, like uh, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, they have these entertainment hubs right around the stadiums. In Philadelphia, there's this Xfinity Live area in the middle of all three major stadiums where you, every, there's thousands of people that flock into this thing and they're, they're all there before and after the game. And then they walk over to the stadiums because it's within walking distance and so you need space for that and you're not going to be able to do that where, where soldier field is and and people were you know i understand soldier field was built over a hundred years ago but the bears didn't move to soldier field until 1971 when they deemed wrigley to be too small with during the afl nfl merger so i mean even though the the bear the stadium's been around for a long time they've only been there since the 70s and even when the, even when the bears moved to soldier field that was supposed to be temporary because they were looking at spaces where in Arlington Heights, but it didn't come to fruition. So now they're just, you know, history is kind of repeating itself. So I, I understand what they want to do, but the, it's not like it's, it's not like it's, you know, uh, Wrigley field now or Fenway park. They parked a spaceship where the old stadium used to be. So, I mean, it lost its historical landmark uh, license basically whenever they put that thing on there. So it's not like they're taking down this beautiful cathedral with, you know, Romanesque statues. I mean, they, they, the, the basis of it is still there, but they dropped a big spaceship there in 2002 to try to modernize it. And I think that it's, it's kind of taken its, it's taken its place. It's, it's run its course. So as much as I love the history of the game, sometimes you got to move on. And, 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 you know, we've seen the new Yankee stadium. We've seen, you know, big old stadiums, you know, kind of go by the wayside. And I think it's, if, if the bears are going to open up a new chapter, they can open up a new chapter in a new stadium as well. So uh, we'll see. Well said, everything kind of coming full circle, you know, maybe, you know, 
to start winning. Maybe you build a new stadium. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it can't hurt good karma, all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, John, your Uncle Doug uh, was famous for his passion on the field during his 15 years as a linebacker for the Bears and for his passion behind the microphone as a decades-long broadcaster. And, and knowing him as well as you do, what would Doug Buffone say about the state of the Chicago Bears heading into 2023? No clock needed for this one. Thank you, because I was going to completely ignore it. Uh, you know, <laughs> we used to talk on the phone all the time. Uh, the Right before he would come on my radio show, we'd spend, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes talking on the phone. And that, geez, that was about 10 years ago now. So, wow. Uh, and we'd talk about the Bears, and we would talk about the NFL in general. And he'd always say, this game will never love you as much as you love it. And I knew he was talking from a player's point of view, and that's something – that I could comprehend but not understand, if that makes any sense, because I didn't play in the NFL. But I think that phrase is applicable to fans as well. Your team will never love you as much as you love it. It's a toxic relationship, and they don't even have counseling for that type of dysfunction, I don't think. so. Uh, but if he were alive today uh, and we were talking on the phone, I think he would say it's time for the Bears to hold up their end of the deal. He was an incredibly fair man. If he made a deal, he saw it through. And I think that's how he would view the Bears right now. We invested time last year watching this team. We invested money and tickets and merchandise and TV sports packages. But we also invested patience. We understood that 2022 was going to be rough. We may not have realized how rough it was going to be. But you know what? My demeanor was somewhat calm last year. That surprised even me because I knew we were investing in the future and that something was going to pay off for us down the line. So what do I think Uncle Doug would say now? I think he'd say we held up our end of the bargain. It's time for the Bears to hold up theirs. That'll do it for this uh, edition of B55. When we come back, we'll break down the rest of the roster. I think Danny Shim is going to join us again. You're listening and watching Buffone 55 right here on the Barroom Network. You've been praising the actors because, like, I didn't know the full context. You were saying because of the strike, they can't promote the show. Yeah. And you were putting over the actors, and like you were saying, it's not just because I wrote the book, it's because I like the show and it has so much to offer. And I just want to say the actor, I don't know his name, and I apologize for that, but my favorite actor on the show is the guy that plays Kareem. I think wow. he's tremendous. He's Dr. Awesome. Solomon Hughes, former center at Cal, like the starting center at Cal back in the day. Solomon's amazing. And, like, I always say, like, if you want to go, like, all-time great casting jobs, Magic Kareem, if you think about how familiar we are with Magic and Kareem, and we know them so well – and you think, how, who could possibly play Magic Johnson? Like, how can you, who could possibly play Kareem Abdul Jabbar? And somehow they nailed those two. And neither guy, Quincy Isaiah, plays Magic. He was an a offensive lineman at Kalamazoo College, wasn't even a basketball player in college. And Solomon Hughes, who's now like 42 years old, college professor, PhD, played basketball Cal, also no college, no professional acting credits before this. They just nailed it. And the other one is Bird. Like, Sean Patrick Small was the second choice to play Bird. Bo Burnham was the comedian, took the job, then walked away from it. And I feel like that was a blessing because Sean is phenomenal as Larry Bird. Right? Awesome. So they just cast this thing. And it's funny because um, when my wife and I first were watching season one, when, like early <laughs> on during the edits, we were getting the edits. And I saw Adrian Brody, just as an example. And I was like, 
I don't know. Like I, I don't know about that one. Like I don't think I see Pat Riley and Adrian Brody. And then we watched the full episode, and by the end, we were both like, "Oh, I get it." And now, when I see Adrian Brody, I see Pat Riley. It's just yeah. they really they spare no expense. And the kid that plays Norm Nixon is oh. the actual son of Norm Nixon. Welcome back to Buffon 55. It's kind of week zero for us. We're not previewing week one. We're just talking about the Bears. We're excited to be back talking to everybody in the chat room with the bar flies. And we're excited for anyone who downloads the show, watches the show. We'll get to all of that later. But we're here to finish up the rest of the roster. And we're going to move over to the defense because there has been a lot of overhauling this offseason. We welcome back Danny Shimon to talk about the rest of this roster. And we're going to start with the defensive line. You got Ngakwe coming over. You, you, you got Demarcus Walker. They get uh, Kareem off of the waivers. Uh, Pickens, Dexter, all, all these guys. A lot of new faces. Danny, this was a, this is something they had to address in the offseason. Have they done enough to be a force on that line to take the pressure off the linebackers and the, and the uh, DBs? Have they done enough? Uh, well, if you if you look at the uh, the the way they play in these uh, three exhibition games, the preseason games, I'd say no, uh, because I mean that that run defense was just getting gobbled up. But again, it is preseason. I'm not going to overreact. Uh, you know, I, I said last year, John, you remember I, I was on those post game shows saying they got to get rid of all all the starters. Well, they, they got rid of three out of the four, and uh, and for me, you know, Ngakwe was was a huge get. Um, and, 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 you know, and the Marcus Walker too, I think he's a guy that's going to surprise some people as well. Um, but for me, this defensive line is going to get better once those two young guys and Gervon Dexter and Zach Pickens, you know, get more, you know, uh, accustomed to to the, to the NFL and then move into that starting lineup. Because I guess once those two guys are in there, you'll see a, a big difference there. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's still a wait and let's see. They did what they need, need to be done, which is they needed to go in and, and get new guys in, bring in guys. They they had 20 sacks as a team last year, which is embarrassing. Their safety led them in sacks. So they needed to do a complete overhaul. And I, and I think, you know, to answer one of your questions, did they do enough? I don't know if they did enough, but they did. It was a good start. And I and again, when Gervon Dexter and Zach Pickens, they're still young and raw. You know, one's better as a run defender, that's Dexter, and the other one's better as, as more of a, as a field pass rusher. Once those two guys get their feet under them and they, they eventually move into that starting lineup, I think then we're going to see the potential of this defensive line kind of then you know go up from there. Alyssa, they spent pretty high draft picks uh, trying to bolster this offensive line, and then they you know they go out and they get Ngakwe. Uh, to Danny's point, it's not like they set the league on fire in the preseason, but anything would probably have to be better than last year, right? When I believe their their leading sack getter was, was it Brisker? Brisker. And then number two was Roquan, who got traded halfway through the season. So what, I, what, uh, yeah. Oh, so, God, I want to oh, like, <laughs> so what, 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 I mean, the bar has to be set kind of low, but you also don't want to just be like, oh, just be a tiny bit better. Cause that was pretty bad last year. Yeah, that, that was pretty brutal. I mean, just 20 sacks. I mean, just like how bad it was. I know it's preseason, but that first preseason game, they had eight sacks. 
And then when you kind of like think of those two numbers and you think of one game compared to 17, it's bad. So, I mean, there, there's, there's no, you know, getting around that. And to Danny's point, I don't know if it's enough. I think like he said, it's a good start. I think that if you look at what Ryan Poles has done this off season at a number of these positions, you know, that, you know, struggled last season is, you know, he's adding to them, right. He's building, he's making them better. If you look at the defensive line group from last year compared to now, it's much better, right? I think it's much better, at least on paper. We'll see once the season starts. But I think that can you get worse than last year? That's my question. I really don't want to tempt fate, but it was pretty bad. But when you go out and you get someone like Yannick Ngakwe, who hasn't had like what less than an eight sacks, you know, since he came into the league, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And that's something that the Bears need, especially considering. You know, Brisker led the team with four last season. So, I mean, I think the beginning is there. And I think that, you know, having Ngakwe there, even if for a year, I think it'll he's, you know, obviously like the short-term solution. But I think, you know, to Danny's point about, you know, Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens really taking the next step and them kind of breaking out, I think having a veteran like Ngakwe in there will really benefit them. And we, we, we've seen that too, and or heard about it at least at training camp uh, when Ngakwe had taken uh, Dexter aside and was showing him some pass rush moves. So I think just having the, you know, a veteran presence like that in the room will help the young guys. And you got to hope that Dexter and Pickens, you know, you got to hope that, you know, at least one of them uh, are, are, will become a cornerstone of this defense. Cause I mean, they have two first round picks. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how they, how they address it. I think one would definitely be for, um, I know I'm already thinking to the draft. Sorry. It's habit. Um, I've already started. It's okay. I've already started. But definitely I think one will be on the edge rusher, but um, I, I'm interested to see how the, how this group performs this season. Preseason. It, it was preseason. So I'm, I'm ready to see them in regular season action. As am I, because I want to see what they can do, because I want to see these linebackers be able to run run around a little bit, because they have a brand new kind of starting team they're running out there compared to last year uh, at this time. You got Tremaine Edmonds, who was brought over, TJ Edwards, who was brought over, Jack Sanborn, who was discovered, and then you draft, uh, and then you got Cole and Sewell. Noah Sewell, I think, has the, the physical abilities of this crazy physical abilities let's see if they can develop that a little bit but uh Alyssa, i'm going to start with you compared to what we saw last year what they were going into it with last year they revamp it i, mean, I feel like i'm saying the same thing over and over again because they did the same thing with the defensive line but they go out and they spend some serious cash on linebacker uh this is going to be vastly it's going to be a vastly different unit what do you what do you expect for these guys yeah, I mean, again, kind of going back to the fact that Poles has just revamped positions from last season. This is one of the biggest, obviously, when you go out and you spend big on Edmonds and Edwards. I'm hoping I don't mix their names up sometimes. Um, but, you know, when you look at last season, too, Nicholas Morrow, their top linebacker, he was just cut from the Eagles. So, I mean, that kind of tells you exactly kind of where that Bears linebacker group was last year. Sanborn, you know, he was a great, uh, one of the best surprises from last season. And, you know, he'll he'll factor into things. But, you know, getting Edmonds uh, and Edwards out there together, too, because Edmonds has been sidelined. Edmonds has been sidelined for the summer. So they really had to kind of get that, that communication down. So we kind of ca- caught a little glimpse of it in that final preseason game, but I mean, I feel like Edmonds is everything that Eberflus is looking for in a middle linebacker. I think that we saw Poles really address the position and double down on it. And especially we saw how bad the run defense was last season. And hopefully the defensive line can help them out a bit. But I think that our, I think the Bears have a top 
three linebacker group for sure. And, Starts. you know, you know, talent is important, but so is the scheme, Danny. So I want to pivot real quick and ask you about, we're talking about all the extra talent added to the linebacking core and the investment on the defensive line. Do you anticipate seeing anything different from a schematic point of view? Because they were incredibly vanilla last year, didn't do a whole lot to, to change things up now. And that could be because of their lack of talent. But do you anticipate them doing anything different this year schematically? God, John, I hope they do because I mean, I, I mean, I, I, Alan Williams, and defensive, the defensive coaching staff is is under a microscope for me because I mean, last year, I, like you said, lack of talent, no pass rush, and I just wanted them to get creative. You, you're getting beaten anyway. You you, you get up chunk yards. You know, you have to sell out, to stop the run. Even that wasn't working. You know, bring the house. Let's do something different. Let Let's get out of your base. I know your your base is just rush four guys with your front four, drop back in coverage, and, and create turnovers. But it wasn't working. You, you know, you don't have the talent. You know. We all admit that, but just be creative, do something different. And he, he was just vanilla. It was just the defense kept getting, you know, gashed. And it was just the you know, same thing on repeat week in and week out. And so Alan Williams, you've got talent now, right? And you've got, you've got a legit pass rusher up front. You've got two linebackers. I, I think, I think Edmonds and Edwards are going to help them tremendously in pass coverage. You know, I think most of the time, I think about 70% of the time, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the bears were in their nickel or, or, or dime package, which they only had two linebackers. And this year it's going to be Edwards and it's going to be Edmonds. And I think those guys, especially Edmonds with his length and his size roaming the middle of that, of that field, I think that's going to be a big deterrent, hopefully for, for, for anybody that's trying to threat the bears in that middle of that, of that defense. So I think that's where you're going to see some of that. Let's get creative. You know, Tremaine Edmonds, I've, I've not seen him done this yet in the NFL, but I see that I saw him when I was scouting him, you know, stand up in a two point stance and, and rush him off the edge. Let's get a little creative here. Even if you don't bring him, drop back in coverage, make the op opposing offense think he's coming off the edge and just get creative in terms of your, your disguises and your blitzes, even though they're not a, a, a blitzing team. They like, again, like to get to, to the quarterback with their front four. But again, you know, this defensive coaching staff is going to be under a huge microscope for me this year. I'm going to see how they take these talent, these kids and put them in spots where they can succeed and hopefully make this defensive unit better. Because, I mean, if, if you're in the middle of the pack defensively, you know, potentially offensively, you have a, you, you can possibly see, like Alyssa, you mentioned earlier, you know, there was a three or five game stretch there where the Bears were scoring 30 points a game. But they lost all five games because, except for the for the uh, New England game, because the defense was giving up more points than there the Bears were scoring. So, you know, I, I think if the offense is going to take that next step up, if you have a middle of the pack defense, you're going to end up getting some of those victories that you you couldn't seal last year. Danny, real quick, do you think it's too early or unfair to say that Allen Williams could be on the hot seat this year because there was a big lack of talent last year, and I don't know if you want to hold that against a guy, uh, but. And then you don't want to kind of just, you know, cut bait with him after, you know, one right. year with the with the new guys. So do you think that he's at least here for one, two years? Well, yeah, to, to put him on a hot seat, that, that is that is, you know, it is unfair because of the lack of talent that last year. My my concern with him was the, the lack of creativity when there was no talent. He, it was just basically throwing his hands up like this is my scheme. This is what I got. That's all I can do right now. But but this year, when he's got some more talent, is he going to be just a base Tampa four guy where just the four guys rush? Maybe occasionally you'll see a linebacker blitz here and there. If you're not generating pressure, what are you going to do, Alan Williams? How are you going to go ahead and now take take this unit that's improved with talent 
Um, and, and, and we'll get to another unit, the secondary you know, later on here, but you know, they have talent galore there, you know, how are you going to go ahead and, and take this team at its strengths and use it to make this defense at least middle of the pack at worst, right? You know, I talked about the preseason, you know, that run defense looked horrible. Well, guess what? Week one, you got AJ Dillon and you got Aaron Jones coming. So that's going to be a big test right away out, out, out of the gate. So let's see what they do, you know, to put them under, under, under the, the, the hot seat will, will be, it's a little bit unfair. That's why I'm giving them a big, you know, this season right now to, I want to see what he does, how he copes, you know, all we heard was, you know, they were going to come in with that Tampa two, you know, base, but they're also going to get creative off of that with his coverage, with its blitzes and all that stuff. So we didn't see it last year. We're giving them the, the mulligan because of the lack of talent this year. I want to see some creativity. I want to see a better overall defensive unit. You mentioned that other unit. So let's go over to the cornerbacks. Cause that's, that's a very, I think that's going to be a strength of this defense, the cornerbacks on this team from, from top to bottom, they invested uh, draft picks in it. They got still got Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Tyreek Stevenson, who I think is, is going to be a, a great player. Uh, Smith Blackwell and Jones rounding out the room. Alyssa, I'm going to start with you. Uh, once again, kind of a different looking, not overly different because you still got Gordon and Johnson there, but still just a kind of a different looking squad there. No Kendall Vildor, uh, who I believe was picked up by the Titans uh, off of waivers uh, today. But uh, what do you think about this cornerback room? Yeah, looking at it, I think it's another improved group. Uh, you look at Jalen Johnson entering a contract year, so he has a lot to prove um, as Ryan Poles has a decision here to make. And I think like just from the limited action we saw Kyler Gordon, especially in that first preseason game, like and even in training camp too, he just kind of looks like a different player. Remember back early last season, we were freaking out uh, about Kyler Gordon, and you know he settled into things at the end of his rookie year. And I think you know really sticking him in the nickel and just having him play one position is going to be very beneficial for him. And to see that physicality kind of coming out as well, I think just having Kyler Gordon improved it, it, like another year under his belt, I think that that's going to be huge. And you go to the rookies too. Tyreek Stevenson, I mean, he's going to be starting on the outside opposite uh, Jalen Johnson. And we saw him in the preseason. I mean, he he has his, his moments, his ups and downs. But, I mean, again, we saw that with Kyler Gordon last season. It's going to happen to rookies, especially near cornerback. Very difficult position to play. And Terrell Smith has been, you know, a surprise as well. Like him, like the way he was playing in training camp that – kind of forced that competition with Tyreek Stevenson, and it was kind of bringing out the the best in both of them. I think that just getting those two rookies and adding that, uh, adding them to that group of Jalen and, and Kyler, I think that this cornerback group, like you said, John, I think this could be a strength uh, and the secondary in, in general could be a strength for this defense. And you have some insurance there in Blackwell and Jones, uh, Jalen Jones, you know, getting two undrafted rookies from last year, right? But they made mm -hmm. the roster again. You know, Blackwell gives them that insurance in the nickel spot in case something, God forbid, happens to Kyler. Uh, and Jalen Jones is another option as well. So I think that, you know, the Bears, again, improved at a position uh, that could be a strength of the defense. And Danny, I want to ask you when you look over that, uh, you look over that cornerback room, and obviously Stevenson and Johnson will be on the outside. Do you feel comfortable, uh, or are you happy that they're kicking Kyler inside and they're letting Johnson and Stevenson take out? Just they're going to be control the outside and let Kyler Gordon play uh, play in inside. Well, you know, going back when Gordon was drafted, I, I had scouted him as an outside corner. I, I don't see his strengths being in inside, but that's where this defensive, uh, you know, coaching staff is going to pluck him and, and put him at, at the nickel. So we'll see how he, how he goes ahead and, and plays there. But I, I think last year when there were some injuries, I thought you, you saw Gordon kind of move out to the outside, and I think that's where you saw him kind of, you know, spark and, and, and you know, play better overall. 
uh, as, as an outside corner. And again, that's where I, I see him eventually moving to. But, um, you know, in, in terms of this this room here, the secondary as a whole, I think this is this potentially has a potential to be one of the better secondaries in, in football. Now they're young now. Tyreek Stevenson is, is, is going to draw flags. He's a very physical corner. He's a he's a guy that that doesn't back down from anybody. You love that feistiness about him. You love you love the, his ability to go ahead and, and just kind of forget the last play and come back. But again, you know, at, at certain point, you know, those flags, those those holding calls, you know, some of the blown coverages we've seen in, in preseason, that's going to come back and haunt him. And and you know. Going back to draft day, day two, when, it, when he, they took Stevenson, I, I like Stevenson coming out of Miami, but I was higher on Terrell Smith out of Minnesota, and that's who they took in the, in the later round, in the fifth round. And I think this is a kid that, that has a chance to really develop here. I'm not sure he'll be here in his rookie season, but I think he's a guy that developed into a, a good starter here for the, for the Bears. I think, you know, he I saw him at the East-West Shrine game and the practices, and he was – the scouts are all talking about, about Terrell Smith. So I keep an eye on Terrell Smith. That's why I'm saying potentially this is a, a, a team or, or, or a unit that can be the, one of the better ones in, in the league. And they're all young. You know, Blackwell, we talked about last year. He was an undrafted free agent from Philly. They cut him last cuts. Bears picked him up. And I think he acquitted himself nicely in terms of as a slot corner last year as well. So brings that physicality, has the ability, the quickness to be able to, to play that two-way goal on these those quicker, shiftier, inside slot receivers. So I think he's a guy that not to just kind of throw away in the wayside there as well. And Jalen Jones, I mean, he came in last year when, when Johnson got hurt and he kind of, you know, didn't have some, have some bumps in the road. Obviously it was a rookie, but I think so far we've seen him do this year, at least in the preseason is just up his game as a gunner on, on special teams. And he's been making big time plays on special teams. I think that's where he's going to help there as well. So yeah, I'm very high on the, on the bear secondary. So that's why if you get some pressure up front with those front four, you got a, a secondary now that can go ahead and make some plays on the football. Let's stick with that secondary and let's go right into the safeties because these are two of my favorite players that are that are on the Bears. You got Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker and then Hicks and Johnson and who they just got off waivers uh, rounding out the safety position. Uh, Danny, I'll start with you. Could be another step forward with Brisker if he can stay healthy. And then Eddie Jackson had a little bit of a resurgent last year. What can you what can we expect out of the safeties? Yeah, Eddie Jackson's got to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, and you saw his ability to come back last year in terms of being more of a ball hawk, got some interceptions, got his hands on the football. Jaquan Brisker, again, another one that's that's got these little, little nicks, you know, little dings here and there. Is, you know, it's got to stay healthy. Uh, but I think that potentially, again, could be a very, very nice, uh, you know, a step, starting safety tandem in the NFL. Uh, Brisker, again, just a physical guy that I can play in the box, but also show some ability to drop back in coverage. You know, Eddie Jackson, you know, we've talked about in the years past where he, you know, he's had some issues in terms of wrapping up tackling. You know, some of that got cleaned up last year uh, and, and the interceptions came back. So that, that's the thing with him is you just be a ball hawking safety like he was in Alabama, like he was in his first couple of seasons here with the Bears. You'll bring that guy back now. And I, I, that's even that's going to be an even bigger boost there. And then and just a real quick, I, I like Elijah Hicks, the you know, the backup there, the kid from Cal, second year player, looks like got a little bigger. You know, he's a guy that also will put his nose in there and, and come down and, and, and make wrap up and, and make tackles. And then real quick, if I, if I can, John, on this kid, Quindell Johnson, uh, uh, they mm-hmm. just picked up today from the Rams. You know, I saw him from, from Memphis. You know, think I like about him. I was watching him. I was scouting him for the, for the draft. And, you know, the, the first thing you, you look at is six feet, 201 pounds. Kid's got, you know, 33-inch arms. You know, he's got the length. He's si- so size and length you like about him. Aggressive downhill attacker. A guy will come down and, and wrap up, you know, in terms of as a run defender. Um, can transition quickly out of his back pedal, come down and wrap up anything in front of him. And then the, the thing, you know, he's got the, the size to cover tight ends in the slot. 
and ball production. You know, you look at his, his career at Memphis, you know, this guy finds a ball, gets his hands on the football, 10 career interceptions, 24 pass defense, and then four forced fumbles. So there's another guy potentially you bring in here that can develop and, and be another ball hawking potential safety in the secondary. So I, I, I love the secondary, the safety room right now. We heard the, the term ball hawk a lot elicited. Are you ho- hoping these safeties can turn the ball over a lot to keep giving the ball back to the offense in good and feel good huh, in good field position? In a perfect world, yes. And I, I mean, I think like Danny said, we saw that last season with Eddie Jackson before he went down with injury and kind of getting back to, you know, the Eddie Jackson that we'd seen from the first couple of seasons. And I think like having Brisker and bringing back that duo who I think could be a top safety duo in the league. I mean, that's going to be really important for the Bears, and I'm excited to see what they can do. I mean, my only, like, my concern heading into, you know, this season would be at depth because, I mean, I like what I've seen from Elijah Hicks, but, you know, kind of, you know, then moving on from DeAndre Houston Carson, you know, core special teamer, and he was always that third, that third safety in there, hoping that Elijah Hicks can really step into that role. Because as, we, as we've seen, you know, Eddie Jackson and Brisker, you know, they were out. They've missed most of the summer with injury, which that, that's been beneficial for Elijah Hicks, at least to get those reps in the preseason. But I think that would probably be my only concern. And you couple the safety group, the starting duo of Brisker and Jackson with that cornerback group. And like Danny said, you know, maybe this could be one of the top secondaries in the league. Let's hope. Let's hope. And so that will round off the offense and the defense, but it wouldn't be a Buffon 55 unless we talk some bare special teams. So let's let's bring up the special teams graphic. Cairo Santos, Trenton Gill, and Patrick Scales. Danny, give us a 20 to 30 minute rundown on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what do you think about? Oh, you're like, if I get, you get 20 seconds out of me on these, on these three guys. What do, you, what, do you, what do you feel about these guys? <laughs> Obviously, you know, Santos, you know, uh, veteran kicker uh, has been reliable for, for the most part in, in terms of his, his Bears career. So he had a couple of misses last year, kind of worried you a little bit. But, uh, you know, hopefully he, he rebounds and, and becomes the, the, you know, the reliable. What was it? What was that streak at? 50, 50 straight field goals or something like that at one point. Oh so God. hopefully yeah. he picks up there. Uh, Trent Gill actually has been a, a very good pickup. You know, I think a seventh round pick last year. Uh, it, it, good, strong leg. He's a guy that I think is really uh, impressed. You know, his rookie campaign, I think so far in our preseason, he looked pretty good as well. Patrick Scales is a long sniper. I don't see any bad snaps, but I think nothing he's good. So That's the analysis you come here for. Scales, <laughs> he's a long snapper. <laughs> Alyssa, you, you've, been on, you've been with this show long enough to know that we love talking about Bears kickers, and we've had plenty of them to talk about in the past few seasons. What do you feel about the special teamers here? Yeah, I mean, again, bringing back the same group from last season, I think with – you know, Cairo, you know, there was an interesting moment of the offseason when the Bears uh, had signed that undrafted kicker, Andre Schmidt. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, um, where people are like, oh, could Cairo's job be, you know, you know, at stake here? I mean, I think it's a little overreacting at that point because, um, I mean, Cairo did have those misses with the extra points. And, you know, Richard Hightower, the special teams coordinator, said that's something that, you know, Cairo has kind of worked on. He's fixed. I mean, and it's never easy kicking at Soldier Field anyways. But I think that with Cairo and he, I believe he's entering the last year of his deal as well. But I mean, Santos has been consistent. And mm-hmm. when is the last time we had a consistent kicker before Robbie Gold? Gold? I mean, we have. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that <laughs> you were talking, you were talking about the off season. There was another moment when people thought Robbie Gold was going to be available and they're like, Oh, we got to bring him back. We got to we get him on. The he's available. He's yeah. Still yeah, I think he is still available. Yeah. yeah. He's going to, he's going to land with somebody eventually, but, but did you yeah, we, yesterday there were like, I think two or three trades of kickers. So kickers are becoming yeah. more and more important now in the NFL. 
just just how we like it here in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a real Buffon fifty five unless we talked about some obscure obscure. Uh, if we didn't bring up some obscure analysis, you know what? Aldo, throw up the practice squad guys. There, there they are. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we got uh, Micah Baskerville, Travis Bell, Robert Burns, Stephen Carlson, Avanti Collins, Demarcus Gates, Jalen Harris, Greg Stroman, Simba Webster, who was catching balls from Justin Fields late last year, Kendall Williamson, Bill Murray. <laughs> Chicago legend <laughs> Roy and Beck. Uh, I'm guessing it's not the uh, the same Bill Murray. Uh, yeah, but not. I'm not even going to throw this to anyone in particular. Does anyone have to say any about anything about anybody on the practice squad? Danny, I'm sure you know one or two of these guys. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Micah Baskerville was a, was a linebacker out of LSU. I, I'm just a free agent. He's a guy that that showed pretty good potential in terms of being able to man that mic position. Uh, was pretty good on special teams. So I think that's where he's going to go ahead and kind of just sit there and, and, and just, God forbid, someone gets hurt. I think he's a guy that can come in and, and fill in there as well. Travis Bell was their seventh-round pick. I, I, you know, I think uh, Ryan Poles talked glowingly about him. In terms of after the draft, and some in terms of the young man, his character, uh, obviously a raw kid. I think I forgot which school he was off from, but it's a real small school. So uh, he's a guy, he's a development guy, a guy that can go under there and, and and just you know develop. Hopefully, get get into a better, become a better overall football player. Robert Burns really did impress me. He's a, he's a fullback. Um, I, you know, I, I'm I'm on record saying I'm not a big Kari blasting game fan uh, in terms of as a fullback. So I, I think Robert Burns, if you can develop him, it, we'll see how he's you know good, good in terms of passing the ball, catching the ball in the backfield. Um, Steven Carlson, the tight end, uh, four-year uh, pro out of Princeton, um, you know, ha- made some you know nice plays. Had that big drop in the end zone for that for that touchdown that that uh, uh, Tyson Bajan threw him uh, in that last preseason game. So that that you know didn't look good on his resume. Um, Avante Collins is, is a big athletic left tackle out of uh, TCU. I think that that's a guy that can they're putting back there is in terms of you know again insurance. Uh, Demarcus Gates has, has been on the, this practice squad for the last couple seasons, so we'll see how that goes there. Greg Showman Jr. again, uh, another corner, veteran corner, uh, who's you know who's been solid in terms of you know has got some play with with Washington and and some other teams as well, I believe Carolina. So he's a guy that again, you know, depth in terms of if you need someone in a pinch or you know you know God forbid a, a season injury. Some Webster, I'm not sure why he keeps coming back. Uh, just just you know, diminutive receiver, I guess, doesn't really do much for me. Kendall Williamson is, is a seventh-round pick, a part of the draft class that is a big athletic safety uh, guy that, that they could probably – hopefully they're looking to, to stash and, and go ahead and and, um, and develop there as well. So Bill Murray, I have no idea. I've not seen Bill Murray play, so um, – but I have nothing on Bill Murray. And my hope, although, is, is that they uh, – Terrell Lewis passes through waivers. They can add him back onto here, onto the practice squad. And then also, obviously, A.J. Thomas as well, the, the guy they, they cut to today to make room for – Johnson that the pickup they, they got from the Rams. So hopefully those two guys are added back to the practice squad. So, um, you know, there's some players there and, and I think Nathan Peterman, there's a chance he might come back to the practice squad too, though. Although polls kind of left it open there in terms of that. It sounded like if you read through the tea leaves there, it was on like they're still in the hunt for a veteran quarterback, you know, so we'll see what, what happens there. But I mean, I think there should be some more additions, a couple more additions to the, to that practice squad before week one rolls around here. That was way more than I needed to hear about the Bears practice squad. <laughs> but I, but I'm glad. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, no, no, you're, no you're, but I'm, I'm just, just, just taken aback that you knew where all these guys went to college and what their stories were. So that's why exactly why we bring you on because you can give us the information that I would not even even remotely have an idea about. But the real question about this uh, coming out of this is what is your favorite Bill Murray movie? Because I think that that's, that's, that's the real thing here. I'm going to put you guys on the spot right now. What's your favorite Bill Murray movie? 
Somebody just blurted something out. Groundhog Day. Oh, I, I was, was going to say Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. We're all oh. in. It's clean sweep. That's why I went first. Easy way out. Ah, man, I was going to – Stripes was good. Love Stripes. I loved his cameo in Zombieland. Uh, I think the, the – <gasps> Yes. Uh, yes. There, there's, plenty of the, there's plenty of – I'm sure I'm missing a ton. Is Space Jam? <laughs> he was, yeah, he was in Space Jam, yeah. Uh, Ghost, you got Ghostbusters, Caddyshack. I mean, there, there's there's a lot to a lot to choose from there. So I hope that Bill Murray stays in a, in a Bears uniform so we can continue this conversation. There might even be the Bill Murray, Bill Murray uh, minute at, at the end of every uh, Buffon 55. If we, if, we, if we play our cards right or if the Bears are completely out of contention, we're going to have to find some content. But that's what that's so that's that's a real possibility. What about as Bob? A, that was a good movie. Too. What about Bob's a great movie, too? You know what? This is going to be a season worth of content here. This is going to this needs to stay. He needs are to stay. Are you throwing the towel in already, John? <laughs> no, I'm just zero. saying he needs, he needs to be elevated. Bring him on the active roster. We need the Bill Murray uh, minute at the end Scrooge. of every show. <laughs> Scrooge, oh. that's another good one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Bill Murray was that good, but apparently he's got a lot of good movies. If you do the inventory about it, then he he, he really is. But I, I guess we can I guess we can close the show talking about football. But uh, we went through all the positions there: offense, defense. Could be some more shuffling around. We'll see. Uh, big game coming up. Gosh, we are so close to football, guys. It's incredible that the the off season went as fast as it did. Uh, but we we will have the season premiere of Phone Fifty Five. Well, this was the season premiere of Phone Fifty Five. We'll have the actual preview show going up against the Packers next week. But before we pull down the shades, Alyssa, tell us what's going on over at the, you know, the, the NFL wire bears wire. What are you working on? I'm sure you've already put out 95 <laughs> articles today, but go on. What isn't going on? I mean, the busiest time I feel like of the year with roster cuts. So we have you covered with roster cuts. We're going to be starting our uh, pregame preseason pre-regular season coverage. So it got you covered there. Uh, I'm going to be putting out some last minute uh, record predictions. So I'm, I'm going to go back through, I'm going to look at all those glorious schedule and just kind of, you know, kind of make my pick there and, and see, I'm going to go into this feeling a little optimistic, but also trying to keep it realistic. But yeah, make sure you're going over to Bears Wire, check out uh, everything we got going on there. Excellent. And Danny, what's going on? What are you working on at the Barroom Network? Anything going on with Draft on Tap? Yeah, well, you know, draft on tap obviously is, is hiatus right now. Uh, that's going to come back uh, after the, the the Bears season concludes. Um, so, but but we have some some changes, some wrinkles to draft on tap that I'm excited about to to obviously you know you know uh, introduce to and kind of present to the to the audience. Uh, that's going to be later on in, in the uh, in the season here. But uh, yeah, and, and in terms of you know the season, the college football season's already started. They started last week. You know, I've I've already been looking at at the next you know, group of uh, you know draft class uh, starting off off you know. Uh, before last week, even before that. So I've got my, my, my list here. I'm going through it and, and I'm going to be doing some, some video, uh, you know, scouting reports, posting them on, on the, on the barroom network. So for all the, uh, Jeff gurus out there, all of my, uh, followers are on draft on tap, look for those on the, uh, the barroom network. And I'm going to be posting up some, some players that I think, uh, you know, bears fans can keep an eye on that, that potentially could fit needs for the bears. Obviously you guys know, I love the offense and defensive lines and that's where I started. I'm looking at offensive linemen. I'm looking at defensive linemen, uh, uh, particularly edge rushers for for defense and obviously you know interior offensive linemen for uh moving on forward here so uh yeah look for those uh, on, on the barroom network i'll be kind of posting those here and there uh just to kind of keep everyone and you know in, in, in the loop here in terms of potential you know draft picks you know heading towards the 2024 nfl draft where remember bears got two first round picks so it's going to be fun time excellent well that will Kind of wrap it up for this season premiere. Danny, welcome as the full-time panelist on the show. We are excited to have you. Uh, I'm excited to be here. 
season seven kicking off. Alyssa, appreciate you being with us again because you know what? This is just fun. We we this is our therapy session for a lot of the times. At yes. least for the for the years that we've been doing it, most of the time. It's the therapy session whenever we're here. So we appreciate everybody tuning in. Don't forget to join Danny, me, and our new analyst, Coach T, on Bear Football, our after-the-game show. The three of us will share our immediate reactions and carry Coach Eberflus and Justin Fields' press conference and break down key plays of the game. That's Bear Football immediately after every Bears game. But that'll do it for us tonight. For Alyssa Barbieri and Danny Shimon. I'm John Buffone. We'll see you next week here on Buffone 55 when we preview the Bears and Packers in week one. Let's go, baby. We'll see you next week. Some may find.